It means we've got no pictures, but I'm, I've got lots of pictures, and we're going to look at lots of pictures, because I'm a picture kind of person. I like to look at things a lot, because when I'm sort of... Oh. Can anyone see a cursor? <laughs> Pretend we're at the pantomime. Thank you, that's what I wanted you to say. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it should be. It should be on there. Yeah, so you can switch it off and start again. Yeah, that's it. Great. Oh, I do love a lovely uh, challenge, don't you? When you sort of just sort of things could be easy peasy, but sometimes you just think, oh God, I love you. Thank you that you're with us anyway, and uh, we're going to learn. I'm going to learn a lot about that. That's what we're going to do today. Right, anyway, today, as you can't see, it would have said the partnership. All right, the partnership. And there's all kinds of partnerships that we can see. Some are very fair partnerships. Some are successful. And some last a long, long time, these partnerships that we think of. Even today, Mother and Sunday, being, having a mother is like a partnership. Mother and father, mother and children, mother and grandparents, all those sort of things are partnerships. So I'm going to not show you a picture, but I'm going to say some names. And I want you to tell me, was that a successful partnership or not? Okay, Lennon and McCartney. Yes. Success, it was. They wrote hundreds of songs and they had 17 number ones. 17 number ones, brilliant. Morecambe and Wise. Yeah, tell me, Jean, you said that very strongly. Why were they, why were they successful? Um, because they balanced one another. They did, yeah. Fantastic, were they? Right, Anton Deck. Mixed reactions, I might say, with that. Some people go, no. Yeah, so they're pretty good, aren't they? Anton Deck in small units, maybe? That's okay. What about, okay, now I've got to read these. I was hoping you'd, we'd see picture for this, but I'll tell you their names. I want to know, first of all, who they are. Jack and Joe. Jack and Joe? They were in the news about a week ago, just over a week ago. And we're going to see them on our television on the 14th of May in Stockholm. Margaret's got a pulse of the weekly news. Eurovision. So they're the UK entrance in the Eurovision Song Contest. Thank you, Margaret. So it's exactly right. So how's Jack and Joe going to do? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, exactly right. Okay, how about some more uh, sort of, I might appreciate these more than Jack and Joe. Gilbert and Sullivan. Gilbert and Sullivan, yes, they were great. The Mikado. HMS Pinafore, they wrote 14 all together. And it was Gilbert who wrote the words and uh, Sullivan who wrote the music. What about King George VI and Queen Elizabeth? Absolutely. They were brilliant, weren't they? 15 years he reigned and a little bit extra than that. But what awful times the world was then. And yet he was strong and kept the country going well and she was helpful to him. Uh, then I was going to do another picture of two people that you know. You might see it later. It's all online, so you could have a look there as well. But it was a picture of Paul and Lynn. I've just looked, it's not on. 
Oh, no, it's not on yet. No, because I was only asked to do this on Friday, so I haven't kind of done it yet. Right, so I was going to say, yep, Paul and Lynn, how successful are they? They're pretty pucker, aren't they? They're, they're good together. So that's Paul and Lynn. So they're examples of different partnerships that we've got. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at how God is all these different things. And it was going to come on the screen as well. We said that God is ineffable, God is holy, not silent, he's the omnis, creative, faithful, love, jealous, glorious. And what we want to do is... It is behind me now. That's brilliant. Now, I wonder... Oh, look, yeah, let's whiz through this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's great. So, Lennon McCartney, Morecambe Wise, Anton Deck, there they are. Jack and Joe, take a good look at them. We're probably not going to hear about them after May, are we? But uh, that's them. Brilliant, thank you. Right, Gilbert and Sullivan, King George VI and his Queen, lovely. There they are, look, what a happy couple. Yeah. And that was on the day that Ginny and Han had their blessing at Chilvers Coating. So they don't like having their photo taken, do they usually? So I was sort of uh, the paparazzi, and I was in the graveyard, and, and I could see Paul's looking over at me thinking, what's John doing? But, but I was taking a photo of them together, because we don't often have that, and I thought that would be nice. Here's this thing then. So God is... Ineffable, holy, not silent, the omnis, creative, jealous, love, faithful, glorious. It's all these things that we've been thinking about. So we've been painting a picture of God being big and marvellous and just like us and him. And yet, God has a partnership with humans. God has a partnership with people. It's more than all these other partnerships we've been looking at. It's a special partnership because when the divine infuses a human something extraordinary can happen now I don't want you to ask me where I got this from but I've got some confidential files (laughs) top secret please don't tell anyone when you leave that you've seen these today the top secret was written in red at the top don't tell anyone you've seen them We're going to look at some partnership uh, with God and other people in the Bible. And I say, I found this from a top secret source. Here's the first one. God and Isaiah. Now, apparently, according to this file, Isaiah was five foot eight inches tall. He lived in the 8th century BC. He was a prophet in Judah. And one of the things that we often think about Isaiah, we said it last week, was he said, here am I, send me. We had all this big thing where the angels were there and you had a vision of God and all these things were happening and the holy, holy, holy. And he says, here am I, send me. And if you look through the book of Isaiah, there's some really beautiful words, prophecies that are just brilliant. That you just think, wow, God told you that? And I look at them a lot, and perhaps you do as well. And you sort of say, wow, Isaiah, him and God were a great partnership. And traditionally, is, people think he was sawn in two to, to be killed. And uh, 
Hebrews 11.37 sort of mentions that, but that's what people think what ended uh, Isaiah's life. How about this one? Jonah. Now, according to this top-secret confidential file, I made it up yesterday, he was five foot six inches tall, and he definitely lived in the 8th century BC, and he was a prophet in Israel, and, of course, to Nineveh. Now, what do we think about this? Was Jonah... Did he have a good partnership with God, or was he more the good heard? Rocky. Yeah, that's a good word, isn't it? I'll put this: He was more interested in God's mercy for him than for other people, and he thought that God was too kind to the Ninevites and not kind enough to him. So that's probably a, a problem, isn't it? Because Jonah wanted God's mercy, and he wanted to have God's mercy now, but he didn't want, perhaps, God to speak mercy to people he didn't, who he thought he didn't like, people that were against him. Okay. King David, he was a man of stature, six foot one in the top secret and confidential file. He lived about 1000 B.C., and as we probably know, he was the second king of Israel after Saul, weren't he? And as well as being a king, beforehand he was a shepherd and he wrote lots of psalms. Most of us know that David is described as a man after God's own heart. And he really was so often, wasn't he? But again, if we look at some of his life, we can see and remember the story about Bathsheba and Uriah, 2 Samuel 11 and 2 Samuel 12 where he sort of had sort of sex with Bathsheba and then there was a child and then he sort of sent uh, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, to the front because he wanted to cover it all up that he hadn't sort of done these things. That was a bad episode in David's life. And yet we still hear that he was a man after God's own heart. If you read Psalm 51... That was, uh, people say it was written by David after uh, his uh, sinning with Bathsheba. Then it's that, that verse that reminds me, creating me a clean heart, O God. So he might have done bad things, but his heart was, oh dear God, what have I done? And maybe he needed Nathan to poke him in the shoulder and say, yeah, you've done bad there, King David. But then he was repentant and tried to make amends and tried to get right with God. So, man after God's own heart, but also doing failing things, just like we do as well. I think in the, before the music practice, we said a word, and I can't remember what it was now, was to describe ourselves. So we're, we're all sinners. That was what we were sort of getting at. And uh, we all are sinners, aren't we? We might have our good moments where we say, yeah, we're a person after God's own heart. But then sometimes we'll be, oh, that's me on the rocky road again. So let's think about another person. Gideon, five foot two. And he lived around about 1300 to 1100 BC. And you can read his story in Judges 6, 7 and 8. And he was a, a prophet, a judge, in Israel, you might remember when God called him, he was sort of made all these kind of excuses saying, 
I'm the weakest, I'm the one on the least of my family, and we've got the smallest clan, we're in the smallest tribe. So he made excuses, but he still said, okay, God, after a bit of, I'll put the fleece out and see what happens. But he still went for it. He still did important things for God and for Israel. You might remember about the ephod incident, and that's in that, those chapters as well, Judges 6, 7, and 8. And that was a stumbling block where he got the earrings of lots of the Israelites and uh, made them into something that people worshipped. That's pretty bad. So, yeah, so Gideon did some good things, but just like all of us, he did some fairly average or rotten things. And it was the Midianites that uh, Gideon was fighting against. Two more people. Zacchaeus. Small sort of bloke, maybe? Don't know. Uh, he was definitely the chief ta- tax collector in Jericho. And we read his story in Luke 19. So he climbed, can you remember the tree? There's one in the Neaton. Sycamore tree. Yeah, he climbed the sycamore tree. Just by rope walk. But, uh, <laughs> but if you remember, Jesus saw him and says, come down here, me old mate, because I want to be with you. I want to see you, I want to have a relationship with you, I want to have a conversation, I want to have a chicken korma with you this afternoon. You know, this is what he was saying, I want to be with you and, and know you. But that was a problem to lots of the Israelites because he was a chief tax collector. He was working with the Romans, they weren't happy about them. He, weren't, he wasn't like a nice person, they thought, the Israelites. What they wanted was... Other nice people, like themselves perhaps, but not people that worked with the Romans. But after Jesus spoke to him, he said that he'd give half of his possessions to the poor, and if he cheated anyone, he'd pay back four times anything that he cheated. So Zacchaeus, pretty good chap, wasn't he? He came down from the tree and was made new. Here's another person. I think you know this person. Yeah. I did ask Paul yesterday how tall he was, but he didn't get back to me, obviously, because he's ill and all of that. So I guess, what do you think, five foot nine? Yeah, five foot ten. Yeah, roughly like that. Born in 1950, used to be a policeman, used to work in a bank. He's still working as a church minister, which is brilliant. He seeks God spiritually on our behalf. So we're not going to say how good his partnership with God is, but we can be thankful to God, can't we? that he works and he puts himself out of his comfort zone so often so that we can be blessed and encouraged and fed. So we can be grateful that Paul works for us and loves the Lord for us. So let's just go back. We were thinking about this a few minutes ago. God is big, ineffable, holy, all these big things, all these other words we could use as well. But of course it's not just the partnerships with the people that we've mentioned that God is interested in. God is interested in this partnership as well. God and me. We've all got a partnership with God. And that's a really good thing because there's so many good things with this partnership that can happen. I've got a list. Only a partial list. The divine partnership, I called it. It's definitely not an equal partnership, us and God. 
was certainly a partnership to work out. We want to know God. We want to follow him. We want to seek him so we can work at this partnership. Ultimately, a long-lasting partnership. So it's not just another 10 years, 5 years, 50 years, 60, 70 years, whenever we're going to die. But it's going to be forever. That we're just going to be worshipping, loving, watching, and sort of being in awe of him because of what he's done for us and because of who he is. And it's definitely an adventure that when we look at things like this, we want an adventure with God. And that's definitely what it is. You can imagine adventures like when I was sort of younger, I used to watch Black Beauty, and that was an adventure. Or Mr. Ben, that was a real adventure, things that would happen. But there's another adventure. This is the adventure we're on. Because this is our mission. We have a mission impossible, we might think, to well, just fade out to, to go and do things that God wants us to do. This is our mission. I've written down a list of scriptures, and this is our partnership. And lots of people think, that's a mission impossible. And when I read some of these out, you're going to be saying, that's a mission impossible. But there's a silver lining at the end. There's something, oh yeah, of course that's what happened. And probably a lot of you know what I'm going to say about it. But let's have a look at some of these scriptures. Luke 9, 23. This is from the message. And this is uh, Jesus speaking. Not just to the disciples, but speaking to us now. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in a driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. My way to finding yourself, your true self. So that was the first one, Luke 9, 23. Jesus wants to be in the driving seat. Philippians 4, verse 8. This is from the Amplified Bible. For the rest, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence and is honourable and seemly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there is any virtue and excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on and weigh and take care, account of these things. Fix your minds on them. <sighs> Just listening to that on its own seems like a mission impossible because our minds are full of all kinds of things. Things that we just sort of walk down the street and suddenly something comes into our mind. Or perhaps we're watching a film or a television or read a book and something just comes into our mind. That perhaps isn't these things. So that's a real challenge. Maybe it's a mission impossible where you think, oh God, how can you help me with that? I want to fix my mind on these good things the honourable, the just, the pure, the lovely, the, the things with reverence. But Lord, I find that tricky. 
Let's look at the next one, Matthew 18, 21 and 22. This is from the message. And again, I can imagine being there, and it's Peter speaking first, and I can be just with the disciples thinking, yeah, Peter's got a fair point there. This is what Peter says. At that point, Peter got up the nerve to ask, Master, how many times do I forgive a brother or a sister who hurts me? Seven? Like, yeah, he's bound to say no, go for five, that's okay. I'm just, I'm just going for the biggest number ever. And what does Jesus say? He just, whoa, Jesus saying this. Jesus replied, seven? Hardly. Try 70 times seven. That's another really tricky thing, isn't it? Someone who comes and gets on your nerves, or just someone at work, or someone at school, and they're saying things, or doing things, making fun of you, deriding what you believe. And Peter would say, yeah, go seven times, that's plenty. Really is meaning once or twice. And Jesus says, no, I've got something else in mind. I've got something better in mind, something that will just make you different people. And of course, what Jesus is saying is, keep on forgiving. He's not saying, make 70 times 7, and after 490 times, the 491st time, that's it. You can keep accounts. We're not on keeping accounts, are we? We're saying, if someone does something bad, talk to them, try and sort it out, but do that hard word, forgive. Again, you might think that's another mission impossible. Okay, next one. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples. I, this is from the New Living Translation. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. So, of course, he's not just saying... Uh, teach them to obey these commands, he's actually saying as well, don't forget to obey them yourself. You can't just be a hypocrite and say, yeah, don't forget to forgive people, don't forget to love people, don't forget to do this. He's saying, don't forget, do it yourself, but then get them, other people that you're teaching and discipling uh, to do it as well. And the brilliant bit at the end, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Another big challenge, isn't it? To go out into all the world. We could look at globes and an atlas or a big map and we could look at the world and think, what a big place that is. And lots of us have been to many countries and it's brilliant. But God wants us not just to sort of think about Nuneaton, although that's brilliant, but to think bigger, to think broader, to think deeper and to think, yes, Lord, your love is amazing. Your love is it's something in our lives that can change us, but it can change those around us as well. Like we've heard before about reconciling people, reconciling people groups and reconciling families and reconciling friends. That's the business that we can be in if we accept the mission. John chapter 3, verse 30. This is John the Baptist talking. He must become greater... He, meaning Jesus, and I must become less important. That's the new century version. And I like that because I must become less. That kind of, uh, he must become greater, I must become less. That kind of 
seems all right. But then when you read it from a new version, a, a version you haven't read before, I must become less important. That kind of makes it, to me, a stronger verse. And you just think, yeah, I want to be important in my own life. But John the Baptist was saying, no, invite Jesus to be bigger, stronger, more amazing in your life, because that's the way to do it. Let's look at two more. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. This is from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Proclaim the message. Persist in it, whether convenient or not. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. And it's that bit, whether convenient or not. Some, uh, some versions say in season and out of season, I think, don't they? And, and similar things. But whether we've got the energy, whether we've got the time... God is encouraging us, perhaps challenging us, telling us to go out, to be disciples and be disciple makers, but with great patience. That's it as well. One last one. James 3, 9 to 12. This is from the New International Version. And again, this is another thing as a disciple that we might think personally or maybe we might put the finger at other people, is tricky. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? Or a grapevine bear figs. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And that's really tricky again. Isn't it? We might think in our own hearts that most of the time, great, we are encouraging and praising and loving other people. But it's just that occasion, isn't it? When we just say something to someone and then maybe for the next ten minutes we're replaying it in our minds thinking, why on earth did I say that? Or why on earth did I do that? It's a real challenge for all of us, isn't it? To say the right thing, to be encouraging, and not like James was saying here in his, his letter, that we say both lovely things to people and we say bad things as well. So that seems like a mission impossible. All these things for ourselves personally and for corporately, it can seem... Wow, that's very tricky. How on earth are we meant to do that? Here's the good news, of course. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We're thinking about the partnership again, aren't we? It's not just us trying to do these things in our own strength because even in here before we go home we might fail might we we might just in our head think about something someone said to us or it may not be someone here but someone maybe said something before you came to church or yesterday or the day before or maybe a year ago and you still remember it and you just think oh lord i need your power in my life so it's not a mission impossible, but a mission possible. 
How about the other scripture there? Galatians 5, 22 to 25. Again, it's speaking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us. This is from the New International Version. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So that's a beautiful picture of just walking along in our life, but God being right next to us, God immersing ourselves with him, his passions, his desires, his commands, what he wants us to do. It's becoming definitely not a mission impossible. It's becoming mission possible because it's not our strength that we can do these very tricky things. There's lots of good people in the world, aren't there, that are very nice to talk to. But it's not the idea about being good. It's the idea of saying, Jesus, I need you as my saviour. I need you. I can't do this alone. Last week, I think, we looked at this verse from Psalm 35, and it was verses 5 and 6 from the message. Again, just thinking about how God is so big and amazing that the partnership is creating something wonderful. God's love is meteoric, his loyalty astronomic, his purpose titanic, his verdicts oceanic, yet in his largeness, largeness nothing gets lost. Not a man, not a mouse, slips through the cracks. That is so brilliant, isn't it? That we can say, thank you, Lord. This partnership is so one-sided. You're giving everything, so do we, but nothing in comparison to what God gives us and has given us. So we've looked at lots of partnerships and we've looked at some top secret and confidential files. How about this? This is the final file. There's you and me. We're in the 20th, or were in the 20th, and now in the 21st centuries. And God calls us to go to the world. Our world may be just 20 miles around where we are. Or it might be thousands of miles we travel to take God's message. Because in the end, we're to be God's voice, his hands and his feet while we're on earth. That's the partnership. That's the mission we're given, to be God's hands and feet. I remember when Jesus was speaking about the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. There's some that did well. And he said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. And we can remember in our own lives all the good things that we've done. And maybe we forget a lot, because that's a good thing to do as well, isn't it? To forget all the good things we're doing. But what I want to hear when I go to heaven is for Jesus to say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. You did this, you did that, you did that, and you did that. 
but you're a faithful servant. And we want all the same for all of us, don't we? We want, when, when we go to heaven, for Jesus to say to us, oh, you're here. Have a hug. Well done, good and faithful servant. And just for him to say our name and look at us and to say that, that's going to be brilliant. And then what are we going to do to respond? All we'll just be able to do is just kneel down and worship him. We won't be bothered about anything else. Tears and sorrows will fly away. We won't be bothered. We'll be focused on God. We'll be saying, oh, hallelujah, holy is the lamb forever. And we'll just be engrossed just because of what God's done in our lives. So, have we got a mission impossible? Yes. It seems like it. But is God with us? Is that partnership that God is with us every step that we walk, everywhere we go, God's got his arm around us. God's got his hand in our hand and saying, I love you. Be challenged by me, but know that I'm with you. Our abilities and our strengths don't really get us very far quite often. But we've got God's strength. We've got him living inside us, changing us, loving us. As we focus on him, so this mission becomes more possible. A difficult mission, but a mission that God wants us to follow and to do. So we're going to pray and then we're going to worship and say, Lord, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for the partnership that you involved us in. Thank you, Lord, that you're with us. So, Lord, yes, thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you that you do want us to do seemingly impossible things. But, Lord, thank you that you're with us and you make the impossible possible, the very difficult more, more able to be done. So, Lord, we thank you for being with us. Lord, help us to rely on you, to focus on you today and through these coming days. Amen.